Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host, Jason Davis. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast, and also on Twitter at underscore Beyond the Lines. You can also email me if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show at btlpodcast213 at gmail.com. This episode is sponsored by Samify Crafts. If you're looking for that unique and special gift for a birthday, holiday, wedding, or any other event, Go to SamifiedCraftsShop.com. They're your one-stop shop for all your gift needs. They specialize in custom gifts at an affordable price. Not only will you find great gift ideas on SamifiedCraftsShop.com, you'll also find all of your Beyond the Lines podcast t-shirts, tank tops, backpacks, water bottles, and other merchandise. So go to SamifiedCraftsShop.com to order your merchandise and gifts. You can also follow them on Facebook at Samified Crafts. This is week number three of Father's Month, so let's meet this week's dad. My guest today for week three of Father's Month is Gil. Gil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me, Jason. Glad to be here. Well, thank you for being here. So each week of this month, uh, Father's Month, I'm talking to a different dad, and I'm getting each dad's take on what it's like to be a father and have them give us uh, their experience and knowledge as a father and to talk about things that dad go through. So I'm glad to have you on the show. Thanks, man. I think this is a very important topic. I wear several hats, whether it be work, but I think by far my biggest hat that I wear, of course, is being a father. There's a lot to it. And I think one of the most difficult things about being a father is there's no job description of being a father. For me, Jason, I was actually a late dad. So I I became a father for the first time. I was in my 30s. My wife and I have four kids. And I was one of those delayed individuals where... I was chasing my career. I played football early on as well, high school and college. And I was so focused on my on athletics and academics that I just sort of prolonged having a family. And so I was one of those late, sort of late bloomers that happened in the, in the 30s. It was interesting because by that time, I had accomplished a lot from a PhD, several other degrees, and uh, from there on to law school and getting a JD. But by far, being a father is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, for sure. Absolutely. So what is your job and career? So right now, I'm actually a provost at South University. I actually started there not long ago. I've worked in several different arenas, such as law, of course, business, but I've been in education for quite some time. So right now, I'm the provost, chief academic officer at South University. Okay. And you also mentioned that you have four kids. How old are they? So my oldest is 13 and my youngest is one. So quite a span. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a little one, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I have a little one. And it's interesting because as you think about being a father, I mentioned earlier. So the trajectory, when I entered fatherhood, I was in, I think it's like, like 31, something like that. Early 30, 30, 31. And at that time, I, I think I was just finishing up my PhD. And so I was but I had owned and operated a successful business for a number of years, which kept me on the road, traveling a lot. So I was very inexperienced at that time. And so now I look back at my one-year-old and how I have much more experience now with my one-year-old than my 13-year-old, who I was basically experimenting with, my wife and I. 
I'm a different dad at 45 than I was back 13 years ago, for sure. Absolutely. And I'm going to touch on that point you just made there in a few minutes. But going back to when you said you're just kind of learning and now you feel like you're a different dad. And I've talked to different moms and different dads. And the one consensus is there's no manual to this. There's no (laughs) manual to parenting. So everyone's learning on the fly. Yeah. It's particularly difficult. You've been successful in your career because you think, man, this is this should be easy, right? I should be killing this. And you know what I've learned? It's a constant adjustment. My 13 year old son him and I, we worked out today, this morning, and we go through those sort of ebb and flows where one moment we're really, really close, and then the next moment we're not as close. And as a father, I'm constantly sort of assessing the, the temperature and the pulse of our relationship. And now that he's going to be out of school pretty soon, I'm thinking now is that time, he's 13, to really get close to him. So I plan on spending this summer with him, really getting to know him better because I was thinking recently, like, I don't know how much and how well I know my son. And of course I see him every day. We talk at dinner time, but I'm thinking, do I truly know him? Like I know my friends. Right. And that's what I'm focusing on as of being a dad. But I say all that to say that I think it's a constant assessment and reassessment as being a father. It's a journey and not a destination. So it's exciting at the same time, but man, it's being a father. It's difficult. It's the most difficult thing I've done. Absolutely. And work and life kind of gets in the way. And, and unfortunately, we kind of miss those moments and those times when we should take a step back and get to know our kids a little bit better, more so than just on the surface, but really get to know them. Yeah. And again, I think particularly when you have a career such as myself and, and you as well and many others, it gets difficult, which is one of the reasons why I decided to not, well, I still do consulting in, in the legal field, but not as much as I was before which is why now I'm sort of explicitly in academia. But it's difficult. It's a difficult balance of balancing, achieving your own aspirations while at the same time spending that time. Because if you're on that pursuit of excellence or achieving all your goals, there's going to be a balance and something's going to have to suffer, right? And so that's something that I constantly think about that vacillation back and forth. Absolutely. Now, what kind of activities or sports are your kids involved in? My son's in basketball. I coach his basketball team. And again, that's another way I try to stay connected to him. I coach his basketball team. My daughters do gymnastics. They do dance as well. So constantly they're busy. My oldest daughter, she does soccer. I've coached her soccer team. I've never played soccer. But as a father, you try to stay engaged as much as you can. And I've always coached my son, particularly in basketball. I've coached him his whole entire life. And my daughter as well is soccer. And again, I've never played soccer. But as a father, it's one of those things that I don't think it's about necessarily the outcome, but it's about what you put in into the process. And so they see me struggling, reading plays on television, Googling rather, how do you play soccer? How do you coach? I have no idea, but I'm giving it everything I have. <laughs> right. I understand that. I've been there. So going back to that point about balance that you mentioned a minute ago, how do you balance their activities with other things you have to do on a daily basis? It's tough. I remember I was studying for the bar exam and my son had several award ceremonies and it was probably a week or two before the bar exam. And that's probably the most stressful time of the bar exam when you're really trying to focus in and stay the course. And I had to just make a decision. I said, my son's acknowledgement is more important than what I'm doing here in terms of my own aspirations. And, and so I, I didn't go. I skipped my study session, which was a lot, particularly at that time, during those crunch moments. And it's a tough balance because you feel guilty if you go to those events and you feel guilty if you don't go to those events. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at your kids, I know at least for me, when I look at my son and I see the progress he's made, 
or I see how much it meant to him for me to be at his assembly when he's getting an award. It's all worth it. But it comes in ebb and flows, of course, like I mentioned earlier. And it's a tough balance because at the end of the day, that's also how I provide for them, my family as well. But at the same time, he don't understand that, right? When daddy can't come to a, one of his, you know, things that he's involved in his school activities because I'm maybe working on a case or I'm doing something different. It's hard for him to understand right. that at that moment. He wanted to go to, let's say, uh, Bush Gardens on a school trip the other day. And I said to him, I said, son, he came home one day. He said, I need a hundred bucks, right? Whatever you say, need it. And I said, no problem, son. Just go get it out of my dresser or whatever. But later on that night, I talked to him. I said, son, this is why it's important for you to know. I said, I want to be to all your events, but sometimes I'm going to have to miss those events so I can provide for you so that when you're wanting to go to like a Bush Gardens or go somewhere with your friends, I can't provide without you having to think about it or without me having to think about it. So, but it's tough, man. And I don't think there's no perfect or no right answer to this. I think it's about consistency and consistently showing up and being a father, admitting when you're right, admitting when you're wrong. And at the same time, I think it's about loving your kids. One thing he would not doubt is that, that I love him unconditionally. As a father, I make mistakes and I try to own those mistakes whenever I can in terms of in front of him. So that's sort of how I deal with that balance. Sometimes I get it right and sometimes I get it royally wrong, but I try to acknowledge that I'm both right and wrong. Uh, we all get it wrong sometimes and you're absolutely right. There is no balance to it. It's just try and do the best you can with what you have to work with and go from there. And so fatherhood is a challenging, tough, and sometimes thankless responsibility. Since becoming a father, how have you evolved both personally and as a parent? You know, interesting enough, one of the, the greatest evolutions for me uh, at being a father is I've always been a spiritual person. I've always been deeply involved in church and religion and you know, religiosity or spirituality. But interesting, being a father brought me closer to God because I'm one who always, I believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and particularly the Father. And so when I think about my sort of symbiotic relationship with God, I also think about my relationship with my son. I think about the things I've asked God for that I'm thankful now he didn't give those things to me. Absolutely. I think about sometimes the things my son asked me for that it's difficult for me to tell him no, because I know it's best for him, but he don't. And being able to stand strong on that, that no, and being so grateful that God stood strong on that no for me, because later I found out, whoa, I'm so glad you didn't give me God what I asked for. Yes. Later it came to me that that was the right thing. But at that moment, no, God, I want this now. And so it just reminds me, reinforces that when, when I'm engaged with my son, some things he asked for when I tell him no, to stand on that on principle, because as his father, I know what's best for him. And at that age, he does not. And at one day, knowing that he will realize that the wisdom of my words, of my actions at that time. Right. And you're absolutely right. It's hard for them to understand that because they see things in a one track mind. But hopefully down the road, once he becomes a father, he'll understand that and he'll see that what you decided to do was what was for best for him. Yeah. But I think sometimes as parents, we vacillate and we cave in. Yes. Knowing that we know what's right, but not wanting to disappoint them or upset them. And so, again, we vacillate. We cater to them. when We probably shouldn't because we're wanting to make them happy. But again, it's not about satisfying them for that moment, giving them that instant gratification. It's just like that symbiotic relationship we have with God is trusting him and knowing that in the end, what is right is going to be right. And so that's what we have to instill in our kids, which is what I'm continuously learning to do is to stand on principle. If I know that something is right, if I know that something is in his best interest, even though he may not realize it's in his best interest, 
to stand on that principle and continuously reinforce what is right. I couldn't agree with you more. Parenting isn't as easy or straightforward as it seems prior to becoming a parent. If there's one thing you know now that you wish you knew before becoming a father, what would that one thing be? Hmm. That's a really good question. You know, and this may take this question a little bit different, but I think knowing, because when we think about being a father, being a father is not an isolated event, right? It's not so myopic where you're just a father because you're also a father and your husband as well, or you are a spouse, you are your partner as well, whatever it might be. And so for me, what I wish I had known prior to becoming a father is the title. What does that title mean to all of those who call me their father, who call me their dad, right? And just being able to really appreciate what that mean in that space, because I can be with my son being a father to my son, but to my wife, I'm the father to her children that she may have always wanted. Absolutely. And that's what's important. So for me, that means to bring my wife into those conversations or to bring my wife into me being a father to my kid, right? Because I want her to see, because this is a different dimension of me for her. So it's just knowing what does this title mean because it's so multifaceted, right? Even for my mom, like for my mom to see me being a father because I, as a father, say to myself, I can't imagine my son being a father. Absolutely. Right? So for my father watching me be a father, right? I just wish I would have had this better forethought prior to being a father. And I said it because I would have been more intentional about establishing those things prior to being a father. Mm -hmm. For example, with my dad, talking to my wife a little bit more about what she expects from her husband and being a father, talking to my mom about what she thought about my potential of being a father, just a title, man, just getting a more rich understanding of what the expectations are Right. for me, because as men, our knowledge of being a father is what we witnessed from our fathers. Right. right. Absolutely. And my dad, I love him to death, but at all times, he wasn't always the best role model at all times. But he was the only rendition, if you will, of what I knew as a father. And so it's interesting. I shared this with you and I'll stop talking. But I remember early on, you asked me about early on, when my father raised me, being a father was about providing, right? So being a father was about putting food on the table. Right, absolutely. And so I remember my dad told me when we got into like a heated conversation and basically he said, I'm your father. I love you because I take care of you. And so therefore... Being a father was a measure of how I provide for you. Yes. And the fact that I'm still with your mother and I'm with her and I'm and with you and not many people have that, right? And we, I knew that growing up with my father in the same house. And so to me, and I think this is important, now I've realized that's the minimum. Right. You don't get credit for that. You don't get credit for just being there. That's not being a father, you know, paying the bills, mm-hmm. understanding what the title means because that's the minimum. And so my father and I have since talked, and I even said to him, I'm grateful for him being a father and the things he's done for me as a kid. But I've said to him, that's the minimum, dad. Right. That's the floor. I, I, that's the floor. I, doing those things are the basics. Telling your kids you love them, being able to express that to them in multiple different ways, being engaged with them, as I talked about earlier, getting to know them as a friend, not being their friend, but getting to know them as a friend, as you would your friends. Yes. And being present, right? Being emotionally present, being physically present. Right. That's what's so important. I didn't have it with my father because my father didn't know that's what being a father was. For him, it was just paying the bills and just being physically present. Right. 
now I know that title means much more than that. Right. And you've brought up the term title quite a bit, and I don't want to get off topic too much, but for me, when we talk about fathers and dads, in my opinion, I think, and I don't want to sound too blunt with this or come across in a different way, but when we talk about fathers and dads, to me, those are two different terms. I think they're used in the same way, but they're not the same term. I think anyone can be a father, but I think it takes a special person or a different person to be a dad. And I think that in being a dad goes along with what you were talking about, being present, not only providing financially and things like that, but telling your kids you love them, being there for them, whether it's a game or any other thing, or if they need to talk, or if they have some issues, to me, that's being a dad. Because I think any guy could be a father, but I think it takes someone different to be a dad. And again, that's just my opinion. But I think when we talk about fathers and dads, to me, those are two separate terms. And I know they're used interchangeably, but to me, they're separate. But going to that point that you made a couple of minutes ago, when we talk about fathers and sons, there's always that passing along of a tradition when it comes along with fathers and sons. So thinking of how you've grown as a person and as a father, what is something that you want to pass along to your son? That's a really good question. I think about that often. So there's a couple of things I like to pass on to my son. There are those sort of metaphorical things I like to pass on to him. And then there are those physical things I would certainly like to pass on to him. There's sort of inanimate things that I certainly want him to receive. But specifically, I want to pass on a good name more than anything. Yes. I want to pass on a legacy, something that my son, my daughter could be proud of. It's interesting, you know, much of my conversation about being a father or being a dad, I've used very singular pronoun, more say talking to about my son. And I mentioned I have two boys and two girls. And so when I think about what it is that I want to leave, I want to leave a good name for my sons and for my daughters. Yes. That when they, one day when my daughters go and hopefully one day get married and have a family, that when they change their name or they hyphen their name, that they still know that it means something and that it means something to them. I think that's what's more important for me. Because I could leave, you know, of course, my kids have 529 college plans. Of course, they're not my will. Financially, they'll be well taken care of. Right? But if I don't leave them a good name, Jason, if I don't leave them something that they could stand on, then I've just decapitated generations to come. And so the first book that I wrote, that I published, I started writing the book just for that reason, because I thought I want to leave them something behind that lets generations know that I was here, right? Right. That their grandfather did this and that this is not some make-believe that he's not some legend, but he did this. And leaving a name behind, I really want them to know that they could be and do anything that they want. And that that name stands for integrity, right? That name stands for commitment. That name stands for sacrifice. That name stands for honesty. And that when you choose to associate with individuals, whether it be through casual relationships or through marriage that you think about protecting that. Mm -hmm. That's something that I've fought hard, myself and my wife, we fought really difficult, hard battles to make sure that we preserve that name. Yes. Because my dad did the same thing for me and my grandmothers. Absolutely. And one thing my grandfather taught me as a young kid is when you walk through that door, you're representing that name. Correct. So when you go out, make sure you represent that name in a good and positive way. Yeah, because that's all we have. I mean, we all have an expiration date on our lives that we will pass at some point. And as you've heard before, you've never seen a, a U-Haul truck behind a, a hearse because you can't take any of that stuff with you. Yes. But what you can 
what you can leave with you is your name mm -hmm. and the indelible mark that you've made on people. That's what stays. And, and I think I want that to be clear with my sons and my daughters. I want them to wear that name with immense pride. And I know that I've done my part. When that day's over for me, that I've left them something, something to be proud of. Yes. And I got one more saying for you. People don't remember what you say to them, but they remember how you made them feel. Exactly. So. Exactly. I know there's many things, but what's one thing us as men and as fathers can teach this generation of young men to uplift and encourage them? Wow. So that's a good question. So in my legal life, I work with um, men who've made really bad decisions. So I work with uh, capital murder clients, people who've made some of the worst decisions that you could ever imagine. They're facing the death penalty. Unfortunately, many of the men that I work with are African-American. I'll say 99.9% that I've worked with have been African-American. And I often ask myself that question, the same question that you just asked me. And I would tell those individuals that, particularly those individuals who happen to be of minority descent, that life is tough. Life is tough. And as our newest Supreme Court justice, who happens to be African-American female, said, persevere, continue to push on. It's never going to get easy, but the more you work at it, the easier it will get, right? The more you work at it, the easier it will get. It doesn't mean that it get easy, right? It doesn't mean that it's going to, that the challenges are going to stop coming at you, but you learn how to navigate those challenges. You learn how to be better equipped, you get more resilient, but also more than that, you learn how to love yourself. You learn how to respect others. One of the things that one of my clients said to me once, because most people always ask me and they say, do these people you work with, do they feel any shame or any guilt? Do they feel any remorse? And I said, would it surprise you if I said yes and no? And they say, well, what do you mean yes and no? And you see how this relates to the question that you asked. I had one client tell me, he said, Gil, he said, where was remorse and where was hope and all of that stuff when I was, let's say, five years old and I'm being molested or I'm five years old, my parents leaving me in the house all night by myself with some drug head or junkie or whatever it might be. Where was hope and any helping hand for me when I was going through my struggles? And so he said to me, why should I care about someone else? when they're going through their bad time, when no one gave a dang about me when I was going through my bad time. And so you learn, come full circle, you learn compassion, you learn to give compassion, you learn to accept compassion, and you learn to persevere. You learn to push on. And that's what I would tell this generation is life is going to be tough, things are going to be tough, but you got to persevere. And it's important when we think about this as fathers, because we will be the first teachers of our children. Yes. And if we don't teach our children compassion, if we don't teach our children love, we don't teach our children respect, then they will continue to go on and do the same things that we've done in our past. And so that cycle repeats itself. Absolutely. And at some point we have to figure out that we don't want to continue those generational patterns. Absolutely. Not generational curses, as people say in certain communities. But those generational patterns that's deeply rooted in trauma, untreated trauma, in many unfortunate cases, and as you've heard before, hurt people hurt other people. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Did I answer that question? I know I took a different turn on you a little bit, but I want to make sure I answer that question for you. No, that was absolutely a wonderful explanation. So let's play a game of word association. You give me the first thing that comes to mind and there's no wrong answers. Okay. All right. Fatherhood. The best thing ever happened to me. Family. God. Strength. God. Responsibility. Family. And life. Precious. Absolutely. So finally, what advice would you give to dads with young kids when it comes to balancing work, life, and kids? There's going to be days you're going to do it very well. There's going to be days you're going to suck at it. You're just not going to do it very well. You got to take the good with the bad, and you got to know that there's no such thing as being a perfect dad. You're going to have way more good days than you have bad days at this. And you don't have to be a perfect dad to be a good dad. You don't have to be perfect. And let me say this too, because I've been talking in the context of my wife. You don't have to be a dad and a father to be with the same person that you had your kids with. You can be a dad to kids that are not your biological of you, right? And what they want from you is just to be present. Absolutely. That's it. They want you to be physically and emotionally present. And sometimes I'm good at that, Jason, and sometimes I'm horrible at that. It's just like being a husband. Sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm bad at it. And I just ask my wife for forgiveness in between. (laughs) Well, again, as I've said before, there's going to be some times where we're not going to get things right. right. And that's okay. But as long as we know that things are going to be good and things are going to be bad and we kind of stay the course and try to do the best we can with what we have, I think we'll all be fine with that. Absolutely. And it's about trying to be better than you were the day before. I think that's what it is for me. And that's what I talked to my son about. I'm upfront with him and my daughters as well. That son, I'm sorry, I'm trying my best to do my best. There's going to be some days I'm going to be good at it and some days I'm not going to be as good at it. But I need you to be honest with me. And if I'm not being as good at it as you think I should be, just let me know. Keeping that open door open with my son, because I think that teaches him humility and her, my daughter's humility as well. And I think that's important that not only to talk to talk, but to demonstrate through your actions, I think is equally important as the things that we say. Again, I think being a model for our children, I think it's super important being a father. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Gil, I really appreciate you taking up the time and coming to share your experience and your story about being a father. Not only do I want to wish you Happy Father's Day, but Happy Father's Month. And again, I truly appreciate you taking up the time and talking to me and discussing this topic. Well, Jason, thanks for this opportunity. And again, you and I have had several conversations about what it is to be a father. And I have the utmost respect for you and the things that you're doing as well. So I wish you a happy Father's Day as well and a happy Father's Month. God bless and uh, stay well. God bless you. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, I'd like to thank Gil for joining the show. If you enjoy this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. If you enjoy this podcast, I ask that you subscribe from your favorite podcast directory. Please tune in for the next episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care.